Hey y'all, it's your boy Rob here on the Freedom of Speech podcast. We back at it again. Unfortunately, my boy D-Love won't be here tonight, but before we get into anything, I do have to hit y'all with a disclaimer. We are not professionals or experts on any of these topics. This is just our opinion. Let's get it, y'all. So, I know most of us have social media out there. There was a lady named Kimberly Jones that posted a video and was shared on Instagram, Twitter, and all that, man. Facebook, whatever platform you could think of, you know. And she was going on about the looters, the rioters, and the protests, everything that's going on in this world today. So really, the topic is is just going to be on self-knowledge and educating ourselves on our history when it comes to black the the massacres that occurred to the black culture and seeking self-knowledge, man. Self-knowledge is key. I want y'all to really do y'all due diligence and do self-research. It's it's vital for us. You know, she really made me look and change some of my opinions on some of the things that are going on. You know, with the looters and the rioters, I kind of felt on the side that we shouldn't have been doing this. But after doing my research, because she brought up the Tulsa and Rosewood massacres that occurred. And as I was doing my research, I came up on a few more. And I want to get into one of them right now. It was the Illini massacre that occurred in Kansas. Um, This really was over, started about shared crops. So... In 1990, there were shared crops where you had the black people picking cotton for the white people and was basically paying them for their hard work that they did. So in saying that, the black people would pick cotton and they would give it to the owner and try to make a profit off of it. As most of us know, you know, I do something, I sell it, we have goods, we sell it, and we make a profit off of it. But basically what's going on was there was one account where a crop field had actually gained $500 of cotton. But then the owner of the crop, which was the white man, said, well, yeah, you have $500 worth of cotton, but you use $697 worth of supplies. So it was keeping them in perpetual debt. No matter what, they could never get ahead. And that's not right. So over time, you had Robert Hill that decided to make a union and start to get black people to join this union to fight against this crop sharing going on, right? And remind you, this is right after World War I. There was 350,000 black men that just came, that enlisted and came back from World War I. So now they're, they're also 
they're trained and they actually fought for America. So now they're really pushing the issue for equal rights. You know, no more segregation and all that stuff. And in the process, they kept growing and growing. The union kept growing. And as it grew on September 30th, 1990, they actually came together at a church and was holding an assembly, a council, you know, a meeting. And as they did that, they posted six guards outside with rifles. Man, this is back in the early 1900s. Everybody had guns right there during that time. So they posted guards outside as they were having their meeting. A car drove down the street with two white men in it. One of the white men proceeded to tell them that they needed to disperse and break up. No one knows exactly how, but shots were fired. The, one of the white men died immediately. And come on, six versus one, we probably know, we, we, you could tell for a fact, he was outnumbered. So, the pursuing days later, they proceeded to come into the town and loot the whole entire town, burning it down to the ground. As they were doing that, they actually were taking souvenirs, men's fingers, and holding on to them as like it was a trophy. Rolling a souvenir around their neck. I'm not saying that that's what they did, but that's just what a souvenir, a cup. You know, you go somewhere, you travel, you get a cup, a souvenir. Hey, I was here. Oh, so they take a souvenir like, oh, yeah, I killed that nigger. And to me, that's just fucked up. It shouldn't have, it shouldn't have, that shouldn't have been that way. But unfortunately, this is in the early 1900s. So this is just one of the accounts that happened. And after it was all said and done, they counted up the number of black men that died and it was 237 black men died and only five men, five white men that had died. And the NCCP had to come in and help them and get the 12 men that were charged with murder off the hook. And it took Oh, pretty much over six years for these men to be released. They, these men were released in 1925. And then going on back to what Kimberly Jones was saying, you had the Tulsa massacre shortly after that in 1921, May 31st, 1921. Literally, this is, this is over a black man named Dick walking into an elevator and Sarah Page was the operator for the elevator. Well, she screamed in the elevator and claimed that came out accusing Dick of assaulting her. 
Well, in saying that, they took Dick and took him to jail. Well, there was a small group of armed black men that assembled because as the news spread, there was accounts of white people saying that they were going to come and lynch this man. And for those who don't know what that means, they're going to hang him by a noose. So they came to the sheriff's office at the jail and twice. And every time they did, they got denied and turned around. On the second time of leaving, another group of white men approached them and tried to take their firearms. And as they did that, Sach rang out. Sach rang out. And as I said, it was a small group of men. And as these small group of men were actually overtooken by the larger group of whites, they literally took 18 hours for them to destroy the whole entire community. Mind you, Tosa was one of the most predominant, wealthiest black communities at that time. If not one of the most wealthiest communities at that time, period. So these men literally destroyed the whole entire town within 18 hours. And that's, that's horrific, man. Imagine someone accusing you of something that you did not do. Coming in your neighborhood, rounding up all the men, and then the children and women are left alone. And they go and burn down all your community, the whole entire community. They burn down your churches, your buildings, your businesses, and all that. In a matter of 18 hours. That's not even a whole 24 hour period. That's not a whole day. They destroyed them. And then we have the Rosewood Massacre, man. And it's crazy that there's so many massacres that occurred in the early 1900s. And we don't speak about them. We don't know about them. And this is horrible. And it's a tragedy. I'm 34. It took Kimberly Jones to post this video in this tragic time for George Floyd to die for there to be this Black Lives Matter movement for me to find this out. I know that it's not necessarily my fault, but I feel at fault myself because this is why we started the Freedom of Speech podcast to educate ourselves and educate everyone else that's out there listening on these matters. As I'm, as you guys may learn information from me, I'm learning myself. And this is a travesty that it takes all these things to occur in this lifetime, which is pretty much a hundred years later. 
the, these events happened in 1990, 1921, and it's taken 20, over 100 years, 2020, and when I was doing my research, some of the stuff was just recently posted, so close to 100 years for us to even get to know this knowledge and it's sad and I feel it's like our civil duty to look into these matters self-educate ourselves don't sit on the sidelines and, and just oh everything's cool when there's so much systemic racism going on you know that black people can't even get ahead in this day and age. So, getting to the Rosewood. It was July 5th, 1923. This is all crazy. Because once again, this is another scenario where a black man was accused of doing something to a white lady. And why does it always got to be? Oh, he raped her. He assaulted her. And white people got to be like, oh, we got to avenge him. This nigger can't get away. Hang him. Lynch him. You know? So in saying that, this was a 16-year-old girl that accused a man of assaulting her. This man's name was Jesse Hunter. Within the with the community of white people next to Rosewood, as they heard about it, which the neighborhood was summer, and this happened in Summer, Florida, where they started to gather several groups to go to Rosewood, Florida, because they thought that. The black community over there were hiding Hunter, helping hide Hunter as they went to Rosewood to investigate, capture Hunter, to once again lynch him because a white woman, Fanny Taylor, accused him of raping him, assaulting him, assaulting her. My bad, y'all. I'm getting a little amped up because this, this shit is sad that we had these things even happen in American history and we're not talking about it. And that's why I felt impelled to talk about it. They went over there. There were several large groups of white men looking for him. As they did that, they encountered a black man that they thought had information. They lynched him hung him from a tree on the side of the road as an example of what would happen. And in the days to pursue, it was over it was 700 white men that came and followed. And once again, they burnt down the whole entire community, killing 30 black men. 30 black men and I don't even know the numbers 
of the whole community. But imagine 700 armed individuals coming into a town where there's probably maybe 300 tops because these people came from not just from the neighboring community of Summer, Florida. They came all over from Florida to find this one black man and make him pay and decided to kill 30 other black men. That that probably wasn't even involved because once everything got out over the years, the black community said that he was falsely accused due to the fact that she was having an affair with another white man. And he beat her. So they, instead of her being truthful, she did what a lot of people would do. Lie. And blame the black man. It was easier to blame, especially in that day. It was easier to blame a black man than, oh, confess that, oh, I, you know, I had an affair with my husband and I I got beat by my uh, uh I don't know if mister or mistress. I don't know what it would be called. You know? And that's cold. That 700 men came into this town. And destroyed it. And then. This is a little later in time. This is, you know, probably another 20 years. It's close to another 20 years after this event took place. This is. The Colombian, Ala, nope, nope, not that. Not uh, where am I at? Where am I at? Columbia, Tennessee. There we go. Sorry, y'all. I had to look through my notes and figure out where that. You know, I want to give y'all some actual facts instead of just rambling off on some bouye. But this was another race riot. Now, this was shortly after World War II. And more black men had gone and fought for America. So, before World War I and World War II, it was easy to suppress a black man. But after these black men had fought for America, they were like, nah, we American. So, check it out, man. You had... Gladys Stevenson, all she wanted to do was get her radio fixed. So she took it to a business owner, and the business owner told her, this is what it's going to cost. So she came back. He's like, oh, this is what happened, and it's going to cost some more. So And she's like, well, I don't really have that. That kind of money, he's like, well, that happens sometimes in his little country accent voice, probably, you know, trying to say, hey, that's you, you take your, you take your stuff in a pawn shop and you can't get it out because sometimes you ain't got the money. So she went down there a second time. He had sold the radio to someone else telling her it's going to cost her even more money to get the radio back. 
Well, she wind up getting the money, got the radio back, and the radio wasn't working. The wires were, were shorted, and the battery was, wasn't working. So she decided to break her son, bring her son to the shop with her this last time. Mind you, her son was a veteran from World War II. And on top of that, he was a boxer. So as the argument gets heated, it looked like one of the staff members was going to strike his mom. And, and I'm t- most of us could agree, if anyone was to ever try to strike their parent, they'd be like, oh, hell no. So this is pretty much what he did. So the son stepped in between this individual that looked like he was about to strike his mom and was like, bro, you're not about to do that. So they started walking off. Well, the dude that... The white man that looked like he was going to strike his mom is pissed. This is 1946, man. He's pissed. So he walks up behind him and clocks him in the back of the head. Bam! Dude don't go down. He turned around like, oh, snap. No, you didn't. Fires off on him outside his door. Breaks through the glass, you know, satters the whole front window. This 1946 white man see a black man whooping on a white man. Oh, he must be a criminal. So, a couple more dudes come over and join in, start jumping him. You know, that's what we would call it jumping a man. Mama, oh no, y'all ain't finna just jump my boy, grabs up. One of the shards of glass and starts slashing them in. So, obviously, more people joined in and got control of the situation and arrested them. Once again, a lynching. And mind you, this is 25 years after the Tulsa incident. So, another group of black men arm themselves and gets ready literally gets them and take them out of the jail and get them out of Columbia Tennessee so as they did that my once again World War vets World War II vets they start getting armed, start t- start getting up on top of the building, perching themselves. They see a man look like they about to burn down their businesses. That dude must have been a trained sniper. Boom! Shot him. They sitting there like, oh my gosh. Did this, did this dude just shoot me? I'm wounded. So... They call in the Tennessee National Guard. The Tennessee National Guard comes in with machine guns and was basically like, man, y'all was brave last night, but are y'all going to be brave this morning? Man, 
it's a travesty that in the early 1900s we had all this stuff going on and we don't even have these and I know I'm repeating myself I'm just stressing the fact that we gotta do more self education man because it literally took the NAACP to come in and get these men off. Because the case was so weak that the state had. It, it, it's ridiculous. Now we even have to come up with the NAACP. To even fight for colored people. That's what the CP means for. But this just goes to show. Why today. You have black people. That don't give a shit. They don't. Look at all the things that's happened and occurred. So. Like I said earlier. Kimberly Jones made some valid points based off her self-knowledge and made me reevaluate some of my self-knowledge. You know, reevaluate my my point of view and actually do some more self-research and gain some more self-knowledge. And I just want y'all to really understand that systemic racism and racism has not gone away. And it's a crisis that is continuing to plague the United States of America to this day, man. I hope that this podcast gives y'all the opportunity to realize and gain some self-knowledge just from the tad bits I've learned myself and I share with y'all. You know, so in saying that, we're going to wrap this episode up. This is your boy Rob on the Freedom of Speech podcast. We're going to hit you up next week. Hopefully, D-Love will be in the building and it'll be me and him going back and forth. Y'all ain't just hearing me. Stay tuned for the next episode.